Good morning. Is it still morning? Yes, it's still morning. Uh, let's start off with prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that you have called us together, Father God, to hear from you. I pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit will minister to each person. Touch our hearts, Lord, like only you can. Bring transformation to their lives, Lord. We love you so much, and we thank you for all that you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Alvin Love. I'm the, I'm the founding pastor. I almost said, say. I used to be this Pastor Alvin, but now I'm Pastor Love. But I'm the founding pastor here at Nashville Life Church, and I'm honored to, to be here before you this morning. I also want to thank those who are joining us on the online. So we want to say uh, welcome. Um, but we're going to have something a little bit different today. Can y'all say testimony? Yes, we're going to be doing some testimonies today about Nashville life and about my life, okay? Um, I've titled this message today, God's Purpose Produces Life. God's Purpose Produces Life. And we're going to read from Proverbs 19, verse 21, out of the NIV. And it says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails, Basically, what it's saying is that we can have all the plans we want to in life, but if our plans don't line up with God's purpose for your life, then they will not succeed. You see, God's purpose will always exceed your plans for your life. Always. Always. See, God created everything with a purpose in mind, and he also created it with the ability to fulfill its purpose. Three things happen when you are walking in your purpose. Number one, you will experience fulfillment. Number two, others will be blessed. And number three, God will be glorified. As many of you guys know, uh, start, uh, next week we'll be having our anniversary, our 11th year anniversary as a family here at Nashville Life. So I think that calls for a round of applause. <laughs> God has been faithful. We witnessed so many salvations during that time, deliverances, uh, healings. We even had weddings, baby dedications, and so much more. It's been an amazing journey for me personally because I wasn't trained or groomed to be a pastor. I didn't go to Bible college or all the theology classes and all those things to groom me as a pastor. I had nothing but the Holy Spirit. I had nothing but the Holy Spirit, but I also had my family, and I had pastors who had gone before me who had, um, had, had well, they've gone before me, so I was able to learn from them and, 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 and get wisdom from them. And one in particular was Bishop I.B. Hilliard out of Houston, Texas. We were with him during the time when we both decided we were going to pastor, and so I asked, I said, Bishop, I said, you know, give me some advice, you know, for what I have to do. He said, it's real simple. He said, just love God and love people. He said, after that, he said, the grace of God will, will, will be there for you when you need it. And so I'm waiting for some long explanation, you know, break out the books. And he said, no, he said, real simple. He said, because God loves people. He said, if you love God and you love people, he said, you'll be fine. And that has been true. That has been true. It's been the grace of God that has carried us this far. And it's that same grace that I'm knowing or I'm hoping, I know, I shouldn't say I hope, I know he's going to carry me the rest of the way. 
So I'm going to share my testimony about Nashville Life and how I was able to say yes to the Lord. It's, it all starts with a yes. That's all God needs is a yes. My story is like so many who have gone before me who have lived a life of sin and now are serving in God's kingdom. You see, my journey is really a miracle, and I'm living every day in that reality. Before there was Nashville Life Church, there was just me, Alvin Love, a young man, 24 years old, 10,000 miles from Detroit, stationed in Japan in the United States Navy. I'm living my life of adventure, pleasure, at times danger, and a whole lot of stupidity. I was young and dumb. I had been in the service about four years at this time. I had two more to go. When I was arrested for possession and transporting of drugs in Japan, I was arrested, I was tried at a Japanese court of law, and I was sentenced to three years in a Japanese prison. Needless to say, I was shocked to find myself in this situation. I had never been in trouble in my life. I had lived a pretty straight life all my, you know, pretty, lived in a straight and narrow all my life. But you know what? When you are associating with wrong people, the Bible says evil communication corrupts good manners. And when you find yourself running with the wrong crowd, then, they, then don't, don't be surprised if you find yourself what the crowd is doing. And this was what happened to me. I got with the wrong crowd, and I found myself doing things that I know was not who I was. But I still had to do the time, okay? I was forbidden to ever return to the country again, even to this day. This was back, what, back in the 70s? And uh, today is 2020, 2023, and I still cannot go into that country ever again. It's a lifetime ban. What I didn't know, that God had his hand on my life. Even when I was in that six by eight cell, what started out as being a 30-year sentence was reduced to three years because I had, a, I had a lawyer who fought hard for me. And I was able to reduce it down to three years from 30. That seemed like a picnic. But it was still time. After I was discharged, after serving two years, I returned to Detroit, Michigan, where I began working at Xerox Corporation as a copier technician. That was in 1976. In 1982, six years later, while working at an office site, I was approached by a young lady who asked if I was interested in buying a ticket to her church banquet. And I told her, no. <laughs> I was not interested in going to a church banquet. You see, on Friday nights was the night that my, me and my friend Steve would go out and we would club on Friday nights. So anyway, she would kept telling me, she said, want to buy the ticket, buy the ticket? And I said, no, no. So one day, about two weeks later, I went back to her job site and she asked me again. She said, the event is this Friday and I would love for you to buy a ticket. I said, well, how much is the ticket? She said, it was $25. I said, okay, I bought the ticket with no intentions of going because I was just tired of her bugging me. So, so I bought the ticket, and like I said before, Friday night came, the night of the banquet, and I met my house. I had gotten ready to go out. I was sharp. And, uh, and my friend Steve calls up and says, he said, man, I can't go out tonight. He said, I'm sick. I said, you sick, Steve? He said, man, I'm feeling good. I said, oh, man. So I said, what am I going to do? 
So I reached in my pocket and I realized I had this $25 banquet ticket. I said, well, at least I can go give me a good meal. So, so I went to the banquet and as I was eating, the pastor of the church gets up on stage and he says, I feel led to give my testimony. And so he tells the story about how he was stationed in Korea during the Korean War and he was busted for selling drugs. And he was tried and convicted and he was doing time in a Korean prison. But while he was in prison, he was stationed between two men who were Christians. And every day he would hear them talking about Jesus back and forth, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then one day he just gave his life to the Lord and, you know, and got saved. Well, he was given a lot of time. I'm not sure how many years he was given, but as soon as he gave his life to the Lord, within months he was released. God released him out of that prison. He went back to Detroit. He became a pastor of a church called Shalom Temple Holiness Church. He's, and so right now, so he's, I'm looking at this man and I'm hearing him talk. And so, of course, what he's saying is, is connecting with me. So can everybody in here say, Holy Ghost Setup? That's what it was. It was a Holy Ghost setup. I was, I, was, I, was, I was getting set up real bad. And so anyway, so he's telling his testimony, and I'm listening to this man, and I turned to her who I'm about to take it. I said, Kess, I said, I said, who is this man? She said, that's my pastor. I said, that's your pastor? She said, yeah. And so I said, well, I got to hear some more of this man because there was something that was connecting me with him. You know, I knew right now, then I didn't know, but it was the Holy Spirit that was prompting me to to, to engage with this man. So needless to say, I started going to the church. And one thing Pastor Stach used to always say, he said, add up the costs before you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, too many people come to Christ on emotions. You know, and they come in, and once they find out what it's all about, then they start to backslide. But at this church, they didn't do a whole lot of altar pill because they were making sure that when you came and gave your life to Christ, it was what you wanted to do because you were convinced that I need Jesus. So when I kept coming to his church service, even though I was convinced earlier, but I said, no, I said, I'm going to keep coming and keep coming because I want to find out what this meant to give your life to Christ. And so once I did, I gave my life to Christ. A few weeks after that, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and I started following the life of Jesus. Um, let's see. This was Shalom Temple Holiness Church. And he used to always say some, he used to say things like, one day holiness is going to be really hard to find. This was back in the 80s. Holiness was going to be hard to find. And I'm finding that so true today. That, you know, people are coming to church, but they're not really living the life that Christ wants us to live. We're not the witnesses that we're supposed to be. And at this church, I was able to really see what living for Christ really meant. I saw men and women who were totally committed to the gospel. I was so committed to church. I went to church every Sunday. I sat on the first chair, first row, every single Sunday. I was at every Bible study. We had Bible studies on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I was there. And then we had what's called blast-off service. Blast-off service is like, is, is like a revival. And blast-off service was held by Mother Estella Boyd. Mother Boyd was a mother who was full of the Spirit. All she did was just fast and pray. 
And whenever she got real full, she said, I got a release, I got a release. And so she would have a special service where she would impart her uh, gifts onto people that God had told her to who touch on. She would touch certain people that God had told her to go to. And it was at one of the services that she laid hands on me. And I never will forget the experience because it was like something I never felt before. I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me in a way to continue to follow God because I knew there was something that God wanted me to do, but I didn't know what it was at that time. So this is what I learned when I attended Shalom Temple Holiness Church. It was at this church where I first discovered how much God loved me. It was at this church that I was told who Jesus is and his sacrifice he made for me. It was at this church where I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was at this church where I met my wife, found community, and family. It was at this church that taught me the importance and the blessings of giving. I became a faithful tither and giver at this church. It was at this church where I understood the power of serving. I became a deacon. It was at this church where I learned how to love God and love people. It was at this church where I understood the power of repentance and forgiveness. It was at this church where I learned how to pray and the importance of prayer. And finally, it was at this church where I was discipled by Cece's brother, Ronald Winans, who took me up under his wing and he walked with me. And he helped me to understand what was going on in the church and helped me to understand scriptures. And um, so he was making sure that I wouldn't. I think Ronald was more concerned that I was going to do this. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay because he was there to make sure that if I had any questions, if I got a little weak, he said, let me help you up. And that's what's missing in the church today is we need more disciples. And so that's why when, when, when I was called to be a pastor, I said, Nashville Life is going to be a church of disciple makers. We're going to be a church of leaders, people that will have influence in their community and in their family. In 1989, we left Detroit, Michigan, and we moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And in 1992, we joined Born Again Church. It was during a church service there at Born Again that a prophetess named Diane Palmer came and stood in front of me and she said you will be a pastor well when she said that there was no reaction from me at all I just looked at her <laughs> because I knew that wasn't going to happen but Pastor Cece hollered out oh no Oh, God, that was in 1995, but it took several years afterwards before we started getting confirmation from different places that we would go to. We would go to places, and people would say, so what's the name of your church? I said, church? We don't have a church. They said, oh, you, just don't need, you got a church. You know, or we would go to somebody else that says, you know, did you know that you guys are called to be a pastor? And I said, no. I said, well, because I was, I was fighting against what God was calling, because that's not what I wanted. We're talking about purpose now. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I wanted to be. And so finally, we was at a church in Florida. It was at a funeral. And the service was over. And so, you know, they have the food and everything after service. And so I'm standing in line to get something to eat. And this person came and tapped me on my shoulder and said, the pastor wants to meet with you. I said, now? 
I'm getting ready to eat. He said, he said, the pastor wants to meet with you. I said, okay. So I get out of line, and I go into the back room where this pastor was. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And he said, can I pray for you? I said, sure. So he started to pray. Then all of a sudden, he started prophesying over me. And he just started saying all the things that I now see that born, I mean, that Nashville life is. He said, I see a church for young people. He said, I see diversity. He said, I see creative ideas and strategies for winning souls. He just kept going on and on. Then all of a sudden, he just stopped me. He says, who are you guys? I said, what you mean? <laughs> I said, Alvin, Cece. Now, he said, no. He said, because you guys are going to have so much fun. I said, wow, really? You know? And so by this time, Cece comes into the room, and so he grabs our hand, and he just started praying for us. And so it was after this experience that I told God, and I never told my wife, I said, I said, God, if you want me to pastor, I said, you will have to bring it to my living room. I put a fleece out there to God. I said, you got to make it plain because I didn't want to be in flesh. I didn't want to step out there and say, well, he said I'm going to be a pastor, so I guess I'm a pastor. I want to make sure that it was of God. And so it's nothing wrong. I put God to the chest. I said, God, I said, I want you to bring it to my living room if you want me to be a pastor. He said, okay. He said, okay, natural life was birthed out of evangelism. The definition of evangelism is the spreading of the gospel by public preaching or witness. It was in Melbourne, Australia, that your pastor, Pastor Alvin, was transformed while attending a course called DMS, Discipleship Ministry School, led by Diane and Brahm Manasama, who are pastors of the church in Melbourne called Melbourne Life. When Pastor Alvin returned to Nashville, he wanted to evangelize his community of friends, mostly from Belmont University. Alvin wanted people he knew to experience the same power of deliverance that came by way of the Holy Spirit. Trey Smith, his roommate, was baptized in the Spirit at our house and they both were off evangelizing the community of friends that they knew. By this time, Alvin invited Diane and Brown Manasama to Nashville to our house to put on the DMS for the first time. And this was back in uh, November 2011. Alvin came to me and said, Dad, he says, it's okay if I have a few people over to the house. He didn't really go into a whole lot of detail. I said, sure. You know, I said, how many are you talking? He said, about 10, 15. Then three days later, he would call back, and he said, um, can we get 20? I said, okay, Alvin, 20, that's it. Well, we had about 40. <laughs> we had 40 people at our house that, uh, that week, and for one week, DMS was held at our house from 5 o'clock in the evening to about 10, 11 o'clock at night, and many times, they wouldn't even go home. We would just go to bed, and we told them to turn off the lights and lock the door. I'm serious. They would not leave. It was, it was so much power in that room. I mean, the first day, Diane had everybody. She said, who's not filled with the Holy Spirit? Diane was a woman about this big. She said, who's not filled with the Holy Spirit? And she would line them up on the, in front of our house. I know, Lucy, you got a picture of uh, what was happening? They were lined up in front of our house, in, front, in the living room, and, and she had them all just slain in the Spirit, you know, just speaking in tongues. And so that really started, really, that was the first night of DMS. After that, it was deliverance, it was salvation, it was whatever they were dealing with. They were finding freedom in one week at DMS. 
Well, it was so powerful that after that week, the people who came end up telling their friends about it, of course. Because whenever you have a transformation like that, you want other people. Yeah, that's in our living room, and that was one of the DMS sessions. And I think you see Trey over to the far right. <laughs> so, so, we, so this was in our house. So, so after this sec, the first DMS session, it was so powerful that Alvin said, Dad, he said, we got to do it again. I said, do it again? He said, yeah, we got to do it again. And so this picture here is because when we came back the second time, we had 80 people at our house, so we moved all of our furniture out, and we had to set our house up with chairs in order to kind of look like a church, doesn't it? <laughs> it still hadn't hit me at this point. <laughs> no, 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 no. This was DMS. So we had DMS at the house, right? And, I mean, it was just so powerful. You know, we... Many nights we would just go to bed and we would just sit there and just give God glory. Yes. See these young people come in here, broken down and leaving out within a week, praising God, magnifying God. So during the second DMS session, Diane Manasama said, ask how many people don't have a church home. I mean, don't have a pastor, I should say. So I asked the question. I said, how many people in here, you know, they were all in the room. This was the last night. We was up praising. And I started to bring that picture of dancing on my floor. I was saying, Lord, please let my floor hold up. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, they was jumping in my living room. And I got a basement. I said, oh, Lord, please let this happen. And so, so I said, how many people don't have a pastor? And half the hands went up. And so Diane turned to me and she said, this is your church. I started crying. <laughs> Tears was running down our faces. It was a combination of joy and uncertainty. Because, you know, when you feel like you're not qualified, it takes God to show you that you are. Because even though I'm not qualified, and I'm not qualified even today, but God qualified me. And that's the thing that we all need to understand in here. You know, we look at ourselves and we see so much, you know, problems in our lives and so much I can't do this and I'm not this and I'm not this and, and God says I already knew you weren't all that stuff I knew you was in jail I knew you did these things but that has nothing to do with what I've called you to do you know so, so DMS was, was, was a tool that God used to really start this church on March 28th, which is next week, 2012, will be 11 years as a church. Thank you, thank you. My yes was the start of Nashville life. You know, when you say yes to the Lord, basically what you're doing is you're giving the Holy Spirit permission to come in. See, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself into your life. You have to yield yourself, you have to yield to the Holy Spirit and allow him to come in and do what he wants to do. 
And I'm guaranteeing you, when he does, it's going to be totally different than anything that you thought was possible for your life. He's going to take you places you never thought you would go. You will meet people you never thought you would meet. And you will be able to accomplish things that you know you didn't have the power within yourself to do. And when you do that, you know who's going to get the glory? God. When you recognize that it's not about me, it's just about the availability that he's looking for. God is looking for availability. Every person in this room, you are available for God to use. No one's, by, no one's in here by accident. Every person in this room, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I was talking to the guys, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I was talking to the guys in my life group, which I love my guys. I got like 30, 30 guys that we meet together on Saturday. And I was determined to do one thing, is to show these men their purpose. Not show them, but tell them that they have purpose. Because so many men are struggling with their identity. They don't know who they are. But it takes God to show you who you are. You know, after saying yes in 2012, 2012 to become a pastor, I told those who were interested if they wanted to be a part of the church that we were going to start, come to my house next week. So I set out 10 chairs in a circle because I, out of that 30, well, out of those hands went up, I said, oh, about maybe 30 will come. I mean, 10 will come, I'm sorry. So I set out 10 chairs, and those 10 came, and then they kept coming in. And then another 10 came, I set out some more chairs, those same chairs y'all saw. <laughs> then I put out another 10. So we started with 34 people on the, on, in, in March 2012. Um, I want to announce those that are still with us, who started with us back in the house um, on that first time when we said we were going to start a church. Of course, my family, uh, Pastor Cece, Pastor Alvin, and my daughter Ashley, uh, but we also have Elder Trey Smith and Shannon Smith. Uh, Josh Wright. Um, I know they were here in the first service, Jacqueline and Jay Negrelli. My daughter, Coco Ford. And Morris and Chandra Jameson. We stayed at our house for three months, and we had to leave because we couldn't tell anybody where we was having church. So people, the word started going around that Nashville Life is an invitational church only. <laughs> you have to be invited to come to the church. And so I said, Lord, I said, we can't stay here. So next day, you know, at Christ Church, uh, the pastor, uh, Dan Scott, invited us to lunch. And he said, I have a chapel you guys could use. He said, it was at 2 o'clock. I said, hey, we take it. We took the chapel. We was there for about two years. And then we end up in the main sanctuary of Christ Church until we came here in 2020. So my yes, guys, was full of fear and doubts. I was 64 years old when I said yes to pastor in a church. And so you can imagine the, you know, the questions that I had because I thought I was retiring. <laughs> I thought I was stepping back. We had already put our house on the market. We were moving to California. And God said, no, 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 you're going to pastor my sheep. 
And that's what I did, and that's what I've done. And I said, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to pastor your people. Hallelujah. You know, let me just say this. Whenever you step out into your purpose, it's never going to feel the way you want it to feel. It's not going to feel comfortable. It's not going to feel great. And that's why you have to trust God. He said, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of what? Good and not of evil. To give you a what? A future and a hope. That's how God sees you. He doesn't see you as you see yourself. He sees you way higher than you see yourself. Why? Because he made you. He created you. And we have to stop allowing what we see about ourselves to hinder us from doing what God has purpose for us to do. We always will come up with all these reasons why I can't. I can't do this. I can't. I don't have this. I don't have that. I haven't been to this school. And God said, that's not the reason why I'm calling you. He said, because I've called you before you were even created. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, it says, He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Like I said before, DMS was just a tool that God used to bring to prophecy, bring to pass the prophecy that I had in 1995. I'm going to take a few moments because I think it's important for you guys to hear what the Holy Spirit said to me at 2 o'clock in the morning after one week of saying yes to the Lord. God came and woke me up at 2 o'clock, and it was so clear. He, I got out of bed. He said, get a pad and a pencil. He said, I want you to write. He said, I want you to write exactly what I say. And this is what he, I wrote down. He said, I saw the ASFB, which was a youth conference that Pastor Cece started, being associated with this vision. I saw myself as the head, but Alvin III as heir apparent to the position. God will give us a five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers going forward. I saw many souls coming, signs and wonders following. God was speaking. He said, be watchful unto prayer. Excuse me. Don't stop. Then he gave me these words. He said, write down pure, innocent, sincere, honest, humble, unity, care for one another. Strong worship because their hearts will be pure. Then he said, watch, watch, watch. I, Pastor Alva, will be the watchman on the tower. Wolves, watch for wolves. Wrong spirit trying to come in using finances. He, it says, bring revival to Nashville, to the nation. You must continue to give God the praise, honor, and glory. New wine can't be placed in old wineskins. Not all will receive. Wipe dust from your shoes, but don't speak or feel ill will or angry if they don't believe the vision or calling, what, but know it's of God. Who can stop what I plan to do? He said, no fear, no fear, but believe. Watch and pray. Do not doubt or be in fear. He said, unbelief will be our biggest enemy. The war is within, not from outside. It's internal, not external. I'm the only help you will need. I will supply the key to every door. 
He said, don't be afraid of the giants. He said, Caleb and Joshua, he said, I'm calling us to be like them. When others saw through carnal eyes, you will see through God's eyes. Peace and joy will be our compass. Just as fire and clouds led the children of Israel, peace and joy will guide us. So much peace, so much joy. Overflowing. New things. New and exciting. Just keep loving me and loving my people. He said, keep seeking me and helping my people. Don't ask for money, but I will supernaturally supply. He said, I am God. Who can stop me? Spirit of help and of good works. I will give you where to go and who to see. Coming soon, I'm coming soon, very soon, very soon. Don't lose what you have. It is precious and it is good. He says, stay pure, stay holy, stay clean. Remember, the battle is internal, not external. I love you. Can't you see? I love you. Because of my experience with my brother-in-law who took me under his wing and helped me along the path of salvation, because it's a journey, I knew that when Nashville Life became a church, that discipleship would be our major focus. God told me when I started, he said, keep the main thing the main thing. He said, people were going to try to get you to do all of here, because all of us are good ministry. That's why we have uh, uh, outreach we, we put money to these organizations. And what happens a lot of times is churches start to get involved in all these different organizations, and now they lose their identity. They forgot, what am I supposed to be doing? So God says, I want you to focus on discipleship. I want you to focus on creating leaders that have influence that I can send out into the streets. Matthew 28, 18, 20, and I'm almost finished. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what Jesus told his disciples, and that's what he's telling us today. He's telling us to go. He said the harvesters, the laborers are few. Harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. God needs more laborers in his harvest field to bring in those who are lost. We have an obligation and an opportunity to go out and preach the gospel and evangelize those as my son did. That's why I said this church was birthed out of evangelism. If Alvin and Trey hadn't gone out there and started witnessing the people, I'm sure they were told no. I'm sure that people snarled at them, but they didn't care. They was on a mission. And that mission led to these young people coming to our living room, starting a church, and we are here today because of evangelism. I want to close with this one uh, scripture, and this is Proverbs 20 and 5. It says, the purpose in a man's heart, in, in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. 
So this scripture makes it clear that in every one of us, God has placed a purpose down inside of us. And that purpose can only come out of you with the understanding. Where does understanding come from? The Bible says in all you're getting, get a what? An understanding. And as you come into an understanding of who God is, then he will start to show you who you are. He said, Peter, Peter said, who's a Peter? Who, are, who do people say I am? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, you, he said, blessed are you because he answered correctly. Then he said, now let me tell you who you are. So you can't find out your purpose without knowing God. He shows you your purpose. And not only does he show your purpose, he'll start opening doors and meeting people and find out you find yourself, how did I get over here? How did I get over here? Because God purposed that you walk in that direction. And he does it so subtle, sometimes you really don't know. I'm saying, I said, Lord, I said, why am I here? Pastor Cease and I were part of an organization called AIM, and everybody in this organization were pastors. And they called, they called us honorary members. I'm like, Cease, why are we here for? This was before we started getting all the confirmations about pastoring. But we found out later, this was God's way of putting us in the company of men and women who were pastors. So when the time came for us to step into that position, we had a little bit of knowledge. We had a little bit of, of, of faith to carry forward what he had called us to do. So I'm going to end here, but I do want us to understand that when I told the Lord that I would give my testimony, it was 12 years after I was released. I told nobody. The only person who knew about my situation was my mother. I was so ashamed. My mother sent me off to service, proud, and I've come back a jailbird. But, but the problem was, or the problem, the guy was able to release me at the same time my discharge was up. So far as they were concerned, he's out of service, he's home. And, but the reason why I feel now, because it's not about me. This testimony is not about me. It's about God. You guys got to understand, this is about God. And I'm not the only person who has this kind of testimony where God has snatched me out of the grips of hell, literally, and placed me high in his kingdom. Only God can do that. So I'm saying this because I know there's people in this room who probably have done things. You may have gone places. You've shamed yourself. But don't let the enemy keep you down. Focus on what God has for you because he has something. I'm talking to young people because young people, y'all don't understand <laughs> that even at your young age, I was 24, I was messing up. But God was able to use my mistakes to, to catapult me up to where he wants me to, use, to be. And he used another pastor who had a similar story that I did in order to get my attention. That's how God works. That's how he works. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. You are not finished with your work here on the earth. And so, Father God, I pray today that those who who are in this house, and those who are watching by line will heed the call to come to Jesus.
He's reaching out. He's knocking at your heart right now. He said, come, give your life to me. And let me turn it around and make something wonderful out of it. Father God, I thank you, Father God, for my experience. I thank you for this church. I thank you for 11 years of ministry. And Lord, I just want to just give honor to all those who helped build this church. I didn't do this by myself. But Father God, I thank you for every person who sacrificed, every person who gave, every person who served to make us to where we are today. So, Lord, I love you. I thank you for all that you are. And I pray a blessing over the people of God and those who are here and those who are yet to hear this message. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to give somebody an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ today. It will be the best decision. I'm saying the best decision that you've ever made. I know you might have a lot of questions, a lot of what, what if this and what if that. Don't worry about that. God already knows what he wants to do with you. We serve a powerful, big, strong, awesome God. He can handle anything that you're going through. There's nothing that he cannot handle. And there's nothing he cannot do. But you have to do something first. You have to say yes to Jesus. It starts when you say yes to Jesus. And then when you say yes to Jesus, then he starts to come into your heart. And he starts to do some work in you. Some serious heart fixing in you. And you start finding yourself feeling different, talking different, acting different. I got to go hear more God. There's a hunger that he'll give you for his word. Man, I got to hear more of his word. That's good. I need more. I need more. And then he'll fill you to overflow. And then when you feel to overflow, then somebody over here is getting blessed by you. And then another person is getting blessed by you. You see what I'm saying? It's a, it's a perpetual fountain of life. God's purpose produces life. The purpose for, your, for you is for life, not just for you, for life for somebody else. Your life is important to somebody else. If I didn't say yes to the Lord, we wouldn't be here. We are here because I said yes. So I'm going to ask everyone to please stand because we're going to go before the Lord. And I know it's, it's going to be a harvest today. It's going to be a harvest today. I feel it in my spirit. Oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. So repeat after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Father, forgive me of all my sins. Wash me and cleanse me in your precious blood. I now choose to follow Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can do the work of Christ in the earth every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, he is so good. He is so good. And I want you guys to experience that goodness. So if you said yes to Jesus, I can, we have some prayer uh, uh, workers that's going to come down front. And they'll be able to receive you. And if you want to just text the word belong to 77411, we want to hear about your conversion. We want, to, we want to be a part of that conversion. We want to walk with you. We want to disciple you. We want to make sure that you are everything that God has purpose for you to be. And also, if you want to give, we want to uh, give you another opportunity to give. We have um, uh, workers in the lobby with Black Buckets, the finance team. So if you want to give by check or uh, cash, uh, we want you to give in the lobby when you leave out. And also, after the service today, we have next step three for those who uh, are interested in hearing more about Nashville Life Church. So um, without anything else, we're going to close out. So Father God, we thank you again for this opportunity to gather around the word of God. We thank you, Father God, for this message and for these testimonies that have carried off for 11 years, Lord, as a church. I pray, Father God, you will cover us and protect us. I pray, Father God, that every family that's here, every boy or girl or child that's here will be covered in the blood of Jesus and blessed, Father God. I thank you for this time. Have your way. Cover us all. And we'll be careful to give your name all the glory, all the praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.